You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. We're talking about jobs, careers, and opportunities. And I'm really excited to welcome back on the program Shirley Adrain, the CEO of the Career Catalyst Group, which is an organization which is dedicated to helping executives take charge of their career and also to overcome workplace challenges. Welcome back on the program, Shirley. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Thanks, Noreen. It's great to be here. So today we are continuing what, what we did last month and uh, we're answering questions. Well, you're answering questions uh, from, from some of our listeners, uh, which some of them came through uh, after the program. So I'm really glad we, we will get a chance to uh, address them. Um, maybe we'll jump straight in. By the way, uh, we are also on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Shirley there and feel free to uh, give us a like, share the video and also uh, pop your questions there uh, as well. So uh, first of all, Joey asked uh, last month, uh, she says, uh, any tips for advancing from a VP level, uh, vice president level to the C-suite? And she says, I feel like it almost always requires being headhunted elsewhere more than it is an internal promotion. Uh, What's your thought? What are your thoughts on this, Shirley? Um, yes, I agree with Joey that I see so many companies hire externally for these roles, even when they've got great talent internally. So that's why I think you really need to have a plan. So here are my top five tips. I think, first of all, um, be very clear on the strategic direction of the company and your business area and what you can specifically do to grow that area and to solve their problems. Um, one thing I've seen what very well for clients of mine is where they've created a presentation and they've built, built a business case um, which covers what they've done, what they're currently doing, and most importantly, what they can do to grow their business or to control their business or to reduce risks, depending on the role that they're targeting. So actually building this business case, even if you don't show it to somebody initially, really helps you be clear on what, what you can offer. And then that's something you just keep refining over time. And, and most senior roles, um, you know, for C-suite roles or partnership roles in other companies require you to have that business case. Um, the second, uh, the third tip is really about networking with the decision makers. So make sure you get them to trust you and see your potential. So um, really, you know, make sure you get in, in their schedules and offering to help them with strategic initiatives, um, it can also help raise your profile. Um, then the fourth thing is around finding out what they think of you and really sort of asking for some career guidance from them. So that might be arranging to have a coffee with them. And then your very few seniors will turn down that request. I mean, they all need to know who you are and what you're looking for. So, so that's why it's really important to, to get in their schedule. And then finally, there's something that people at all levels can do is to raise your LinkedIn game and act like a C-suite level employee. So that's with regards to what you're posting, what you're commenting on, um, and that can really help grow your profile. And you can do that at any level. Um, and, and, you know, the seniors are on LinkedIn, they're commenting and posting. And when they see your comments um, and, and post, you know, that, that can really help raise your profile. So I think they're the sort of top tips um, and, and it does take a, it does take a plan, does take 
quite a bit of energy to, to get there. So putting your head down and doing a good job won't get you into these roles, but, but having a clear plan will. Yeah, it's more than just sort of raising your hand. It's really about raising your hand and showing them what you've been doing and what you're capable of doing and yeah. raising your profile uh, and what you're doing and also on, on social media in, in particular, yeah. in particularly uh, LinkedIn. Okay, well, um, th- thanks for that. Uh, we are on Facebook uh, Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. We're chatting with Shirley Adrain, the CEO of the Career Catalyst Group this afternoon, uh, for your career questions. Uh, Cher also wrote in at the end of last uh, uh, program, and she says, uh, do you have any review on, on any executive programs in women leadership, uh, perhaps? And she gave an example of the Stanford Graduate School of Businesses. Um, there are a lot of sort of leadership programs uh, offered, uh, executive programs for, for, for women. Have you heard of the Stanford one? And are there any ones uh, which you can also talk about? Yeah, um, yes, I've heard of that one. And actually, you know, you know, all of the Ivy League universities in the in the US offer them, and, and a lot of other programs like the Stanford one, and then obviously uh, in the UK and, and a few in Asia. But I think you know, before you even think about undertaking one of these programs, you've really got to think about what you want to achieve from attending it. You know, is it, are you trying to get a promotion? Are you trying to grow your network? Are you trying to work on specific areas that you know you need to develop? Um, and, and really looking at these skill gaps and, and potentially confidence gaps and, and looking at your performance appraisal and, and feedback so that you really are very clear on what you want to achieve because they cost a lot of money. So if you're going to make that commitment or your company's going to make that commitment, and I do recommend you ask your, your, your boss to pay for it. Um, if, you, you know, if you're working for a company, absolutely, you should ask them to pay for it because even if they say no, they'll be impressed with your commitment to grow your skills. So being clear on what you want to achieve is, very, is, is, is really important. And then looking at all the different courses, and I see there's so many out there. So I think it's good to consider who else is attending and how much interaction you're going to have with them. Because, you know, I know from my experience of attending, and I have attended lots of these courses, um, it's, you know, if you want what with a whole load of really interesting people and you hear about their backgrounds and, and you pair up with them, then you you know, you learn a lot from them and you also have this network that you can draw on, you know, for the rest of your career. Um, also looking at the content and the trainers because it varies hugely. The content varies hugely and the trainers as well. I mean, I think it's much better to have trainers who've got some recent industry experience. So, you know, make sure it's not all taught by academics who may not have you know worked in your area your, your field and also having the opportunity to work in groups to solve real business problems because that's where you actually start to demonstrate the skills that they're going to teach you on the course um, with regard to courses i mean what's what's good about now is that we cannot we can do these courses online we used to have to fly to the u.s yeah. for a week and you know it costs a lot of money um and and now you know we've got the online opportunity of doing them i mean obviously that's not as good with regard to you know working with the other people but but it does make it a lot cheaper um i mean what i always recommend is to do these courses, like ones where they actually split the time. So you may do, for example, the INSEAD program, the Women Leaders program, they do six half days with coaching in between. So you have a half day session, you learn about something, and then you have like a month, say, in between to actually work on that and you have some coaching and then you come back for the next session. I mean, I've run these kind of courses where I worked in banks and I found that they're the ones that achieve the most results. The Wharton course, um, that's a five day online course. That's quite a good one. But again, five days, I think, 
not as good regard to, you know, it's all done. So I think it's better to have the space in between. Um, the Stamford one is the same idea, you know, five days online or, or you can go for the, for the, um, you can go there and spend a lot of money and go to the US for it. But I mean, what you have to think about is if you are doing one in the US, you know, what, what about the, the timings of it? Are you going to be there in the, in the middle of the night? I have a friend who's done one recently and, you know, he was up at 2.30 a.m. in the morning doing this course. So you have to decide if that's something you, you want to do. Um, and then another one that that's, if you want to do one based on that, Sort of Hong Kong time zone is there's one called IMD and it's the strategies for leadership program and that actually has been consistently um you know rated number one globally um for, for the, by the financial times for open programs for leadership so that's a pretty good program but it they was noted by the financial excellent. times so that's another one to think about. yeah so it's a pretty good program and that's what you should be looking at these kind of ratings you know not necessarily going for the best name but more for we you know where where is it actually achieving results and, and is it possible within your time frame and is it is it covering the agenda that you want to cover are some of these courses um a bit repetitive so meaning if you've done one or two you, you don't need to really do all six of them because they yeah. pretty much cover um uh, you know the similar skill yeah. sets that you're trying to add value to yes i mean i would only do one me personally i've worked in quite a few banks and they send you on the you know whatever <laughs> director level trading program so so that's why i've done a few but you really you only need to attend one um, uh, so cho choosing the right one is important because it is a you know it's a big commitment Absolutely. Have you done ones remotely? And how does it how does it uh, compare with ones you had to physically fly there? Um, I suppose you'll have to combat the jet lag if you have um, to go. I there. think most of the ones I've done. Yeah. I mean, most of the ones I've done are physically yeah, flown there. And, and yeah, it has been the jet lag of going to the US for, for training. Um, um, and and it, it was great, but things have moved on now. And, and I think there are great ways to do on the online learning. Um, and, you know, we can make it work now. Absolutely. And I, and I think the benefit of, of, of having space in between, you know, I think is the main thing so that you actually, you know, put into action what you learn. Absolutely. Right. Um, another question uh, we have is uh, Jacqueline. And Jacqueline says, um, where do you find executive coaches and how do you evaluate who is right for you? Yeah, it's a good question because there are so many coaches out there now. It's become like a sort of trendy job. Um, but, you know, you've Was really got to look at when your... you first got into it. Probably not so much, <laughs> no. <laughs> you've um, paved the way. But... Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, I really recommend you find an accredited coach because it takes a long time to be an accredited coach. And, and there's global coaching bodies like the Association for Coaching and the International Coaching Federation, which is called the ICF. Um, so I really recommend that you, you, you check that your coach is, is recognized or accredited by one of those. And you can see how many hours coaching experience you have. And you just know that they have been through a very rigorous process and they follow proper codes of practice and ethics and the good thing about for example these two is that you can find a coach on their websites so you can actually just list your criteria and a list of coaches comes up but then you know i recommend it's worth meeting a few coaches because you need to have the chemistry with your coach you need to feel that they're the right person to help you and the only way you can really do that is, is, is to meet them and ask them a few questions to compare what they say so you know for example what approaches and tools do they use how will they help you achieve your goals how they have, have they helped others to achieve those similar goals in the past and how will you measure the success of the coaching um, engagement because 
different coaches have different backgrounds and different approaches to coaching. And I think, you know, all good coaches will offer a free initial session for you. They should not be charging you to, to meet with you and find out, you know, find out more about you and you find out more about them. I mean, I always recommend, and maybe it's bias having worked in banking, but, well, you know, we always prefer to have coaches who had a similar experience to us and who'd, you know, who'd, who could understand what it's like, you know, the pressures that we, we faced. So, so, you know, if you find a coach that's got a similar functional experience, it'll just make the process a lot easier. Um, and then also making sure that what they offer isn't open-ended. So, so, you know, I usually recommend six sessions with a clear goals and an action plan. But sometimes, you know, I, I see people for just one or two sessions if they've got something specific that they need to do. For example, they're interviewing for a new job and they just need support through that process. So make sure that, you know, what they're offering is right for you. And, and the only way you can do that is to is to see two or three of them. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you mentioned, you know, the chemistry needs to be right yeah. and you need to be able to yeah. meet that uh, meet that coach to access uh, the, the situation. Okay, uh, we are on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Do join us there if you possibly can. Uh, Kim asks, uh, how, can you, how can you keep uh, yourself motivated when working from home? And she says, as an extrovert, she loves working in the office and meeting others. But now that she's at home it's just uh, her pc uh, for company and that's the reality for, for many yeah. of our listeners who are perhaps still working from home and now we're talking mm -hmm. about the fourth wave of the coronavirus coming back working from home might just be on the cards again yes i, th I think so and i think a lot of companies are now saying okay everybody globally can walk from home because they realize that they're saving money from this and you know so it is, it is the future for quite a few companies. And that's a real struggle if you're an extrovert because you know, as extroverts, we get energized by being around people. Um, and if, if those people aren't there, we can get quite demotivated and, and you know, lose our focus. So, so I, I recommend that you, when you're in that situation, you really have to create a plan. And that's about scheduling multiple social interactions. So it might be first thing in the morning, you call someone in your team um, and you, you just make sure you're having a quick chat. What are you doing today? What are you up to? But that can get you in the mood, especially, you know, gets you started. Like, you know, if you book this for nine o'clock in the morning and you might find somebody similar to you who's an extrovert stuck at home and, and you can just buddy up with that. Um, the other thing is around playing to your strengths. So if you're an extrovert, you're probably much better on the phone. So make sure during your conference calls that you, you know, you're making a good contribution there because that, that now is the way that we're getting a lot of results. So, you know, play to those kind of strengths. And then the other one which works well for me um, is exercising every day. I really notice a difference when I don't exercise. Um, it just makes a huge, yeah, get raising the sort of dopamine, um, you know, really sort of helps, you know, raising dopamine in the brain. Um, and I think you need a boost of this to compensate from the dopamine you might have, you know, got from re regular social interactions. So I think that's important. I think also assessing your energy levels several times a day and, and looking at, you know, what, what, why is my energy low here? I need to, yeah, do some exercise, <laughs> go, for, go for a walk, <laughs> call somebody. Yeah, um, because it's, it's, it's not easy, especially if you've got to get the kind of role where, you know, you've got to deliver lots of things. You've just got to sit there and be a focused, you know, don't normally interact with others. So perhaps you only interact with others because they're around you at work. So that makes it much harder.
Um, and then I think when you're working independently, it's important to kind of track your wins. And what I often recommend to clients is you've got this big list of things to do. You know, once you've completed something, you know, have a to-done list rather than a to-do list. So you can see at the end of the day, I've done all these things, and then you can share those with your manager rather than just looking at what's left on your list. Absolutely, because um, that can feel a bit demotivated when you've when you've completed, yes. I don't know, 10 out of 20 things, but there's still 10 things. So the, yeah. the, the glasses. Yeah, and, and, and the list keeps growing as well. Yeah. <laughs> you've Absolutely. added another five and you've only done four. So, yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to make sure that your evenings and weekends are filled with more social interaction. You might have done before just to make up for that. Um, Absolutely. You know, Which actually brings us to ties us nicely to, to the final question, uh, Steve. Even uh, actually says, my boss keeps contacting me in the evenings and weekends. I never feel like I can truly relax. How do I claim back my personal time? And it's true in a city that never sleeps. Sometimes yeah. this work-life balance can be very blurred. So how yeah. how do you manage a boss who, who contacts you during your downtime or supposed downtime? <laughs> Yeah, and I think this happens a lot, a lot in Hong Kong. Um, there's a, you know, there's, there's a presenteeism. You know, we're expected to be present and respond at all times. So, um, this is something that happened to me a few years ago. And, and I had a boss who would email me in the evenings and he would email me lots of emails on the Saturday morning, sometimes a call on a Sunday. And it started stressing me out because I never thought I could truly relax because, you know, I was waiting for the next email. In fact, on holiday, my husband used to take my, my, my phone off me. <laughs> lock it in the safe he said you're not looking at this you're not accessing any emails <laughs> so you know when, when it gets to that extent you need to do something about it <laughs> and what I did actually was that I took control by just not looking at my emails you know later in the evenings and at the weekends you know from Friday night I did not look at them until Monday morning and I kind of waited I thought let's see what's going to what he's going to do you know see what my how my boss is going to respond and he didn't actually say anything and then I realized that what he was actually doing Doing the Saturday morning was he was going through his emails for the week, seeing what he'd missed, and then when he found something, he was sending. And I was I was chief operating officer, so I had a lot of the tasks from these emails. And he would just ping me an email saying, right, you need to do this, you need to do that. And then I, you know, before I would get them and get quite stressed, but then when I realised he was just doing them to get off, get them off his list, and then it was absolutely fine for me to to answer them on the Monday. So so perhaps it may be the same situation. You're feeling you need to respond when actually your boss is just, you know, passing some work on to you. So what I'd recommend is you have a chat to your boss and actually find out, you know, explain that you want to be really focused during the day, you want to meet your objectives, but then you want to switch off in the evenings and the weekends. So you come back to what refreshed um, the next day. And, and just explain that you're struggling to do this, you know, so what do they suggest as a reasonable time to stop looking at emails, um, you know, during during the week, evenings and weekends and see what they say. Hopefully they're going to say something, um, you know, that's, that's, that's sensible and not say, no, I expect you to be, you know, expect to be available all the time. Um, and if they don't, then that's where you really need to negotiate them, negotiate with them regarding your tasks and deliverables and say, you know, what do you expect me to deliver and making sure that you deliver that within a time frame that works for you rather than just being available all the time. Yeah, and, and it's about being assertive, but also, you know, and, and sometimes your boss might actually appreciate it. Maybe they don't realize that what mm -hmm. they're doing is actually having an impact on your downtime. And if you just yeah. sort of clear the air and say, thanks for those emails, I will deal with them accordingly on Monday and it'll get done. Yeah. Yeah.
It, although right. although it's kind of scary to 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 to, to have to approach <laughs> approach yeah. your boss like that. So don't don't email me during the week. But yes, that that's doable. Um, we we have a, a comment on the Facebook page. Um, Chuck Wan says, I remember in one job I was given the task of uh changing huge compilations of other people's written work then my project manager gave everything i did to our ceo to make a long story short i could have made a better impression if i had rewritten everything in my own words and used more time doing so so maybe sometimes there's you know too much in the hierarchy maybe it's better if 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 check one had communicated uh directly with the ceo but in a situation like that you know they've got a project manager sort of in between them him and the C, uh, her and the ceo so what can you do to flatten the communication can't really bypass your project manager yeah i mean i think that's where you talk to your project manager and you know, what is it you want me to achieve here and then say okay this is great it's going to the ceo i know you've got a good relationship with him i don't really know her so we say and I, I don't know her and you know so um you know can can i use this as an opportunity to, to sh- share with her what i've done um and I, I think you know that way that you, you you know you're showing to your boss that you actually you know it's a, it's a growth opportunity for you and and, and once they've seen what you've done once or twice and, and they're happy with the quality of that then they should they should be able to give you that opportunity absolutely well shirley thank you so much for answering all our questions so many uh, have come in uh, remind our <laughs> listeners once again how we can find out more about you and your work are you on social media and have you got a website Yes, and you can find me on LinkedIn or my website is careercatalystgroup.com. Um, and, you know, I share weekly tips on how to have your best career. And I also offer a 30-minute complimentary call to see how I could help you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And we were talking to Shirley Adrain, the CEO of the Career Catalyst Group, which is an organization dedicated to help executives take charge of their career. Thank you so much for your time. And I'll talk to you next month. Thanks, thank Lorraine. you so much. Thank you.